use this analogy of scripts, right? We've been handed yeah. Um, yeah. scripts in our life, how to be good, how to be a woman, how to be a wife, how to be a Christian, you know, whatever these scripts are in your life. And there's probably a bunch of different ones that we've all been handed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think sometimes we realize like, gosh, these, these really rigid scripts that I've been handed just aren't working for me. And my experience of the world is different than kind of the directions that I've been given on this page. Um, And so I think a lot of the work that I do is helping people to kind of make those edits or to tear. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Uncomfortably Broken Through podcast. In today's episode, I am joined by Allison. Allison is a sexuality and spirituality life coach helping people find freedom in living out the story as who they are. In today's episode, Allison and I dive right into understanding how to move through the shame and the guilt of leaving people-pleasing and stepping in to a life that serves you and rewriting your narratives. Allison and I help you understand how to truly tap in to make the edits in the scripts that you were given from the world and understand how to start writing a narrative that serves you and is aligned with the purpose that you have in this world. apologize I was like running 10 minutes late. no worries I just wanted to make sure we were still still on yeah yeah so um I'll kind of tell you again how we're gonna how I'll do it so um basically I'll kind of just talk about you with the first and welcome you and then I'll let you kind of tell your your story let everyone uh know who you are where you're from uh kind of get a little about you so they feel like they know you and then I'll just kind of let it lead from there I'll kind of ask a few questions and then kind of like I said like I can um, ask a question to kind of start um, I guess shifting into what you feel you could give most value in and think the other day we talked about just kind of not um, letting others opinions of you and your choices kind of uh, dictate what you do in your life. So I could go with that, whichever direction. Cool. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, yeah, I have, a, I've written down a couple of notes. So hopefully, okay. have, yeah, um, yeah, have a bit of direction with that. Yeah. So, um, and you're a life coach, but how would you like me to state? Cause I know you, um, cover a few bases, but I was like, how would you like me to state what type of life coaching you do? Yeah, I mean, I usually just, and I can kind of explain this in some detail, okay. but I'm a coach that kind of explores themes around gender, sexuality, and mm-hmm. spirituality. Yeah. I like that. That was kind of what I was thinking, um, but like I said, I want to always check uh, before I introduce someone. Like I always check and I'm like, okay, how would you like me to say, <laughs> you know? Um, all right. Let's 
So we'll just re record straight on Zoom, like I said, so nothing quite hard or complicated. <laughs> and can you hear me all right? Is the sound okay? Yes. Yeah, you are great. All right. I'm trying to find a cord because my headphones went, I guess I could like switch it. It's okay. Okay, we'll start it like this. Um, so basically what I'm going to do, my headphones are charging. <laughs> so I'm going to like switch it like during the interview where I can finally put them on. Um, but yeah, it'll be okay because it's still, it's still the same speaker. All right. So let me... Welcome back to another episode of the Uncomfortably Broken Through podcast. Today, I have an amazing guest for you that I think you are going to love. She is a life coach based all around sexuality and spirituality and is truly someone who will lead you to live a life of being who you are. And as you know, on this podcast, it's important to be yourself and find who you're meant to be in the world. And that uncomfortable breakthrough to yourself is so pivotal to the life that you are going to live. Here is Allison, and I just want you to kind of welcome yourself, let everyone know who you are, what you do, and where you're from. Uh, go ahead and just kind of let everyone meet you. Great. Yeah, thank you so much, Ashton, for having me on the podcast today. I'm really excited to be with yeah, with you and your community. And as you said, my name is Allison, and I am a coach who kind of explores themes around gender, sexuality, and spirituality, and some of the kind of complex and interesting ways that those things intersect. Um, I'm originally from California, and um, but I've been living in London for the last five years. Um, yeah, and my work um, as a life coach, I work with kind of individuals and groups and yeah, kind of living, um, looking to kind of step into more freedom, hope and, and joy really um, in different aspects of their life. Yeah. So what kind of got you started on this journey? And, you know, because some people know, hey, I want to be, you know, a a life coach or I want to do this in life but did, was that really your path or, or did it kind of find you you know it, yeah it totally found me <laughs> um I feel like I sort of have stumbled into this um predominantly through kind of my own life story and sort of the journey that I've been on um as well as kind of different academic pursuits kind of all came together um yeah. to yeah kind of bring me to life coaching and to be able to bring sort of some of my personal insights and things that I've learned as well as kind of things from the classroom together to help people yeah. kind of do that transformational work. Yeah, can you give us a little insight on how in your own life, uh, like part of your story that really kind of pivoted uh, you to actually wanting to go into tying sexuality and spirituality together? Yeah, definitely. I'll try to make a, a long life story somewhat yeah. short for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I that. But I, yeah, I guess kind of the, the highlight version of sort of my 
my life and my trajectory. Um, I grew up in a very conservative evangelical Christian home and it was one that was really loving but in a lot of ways you know kind of strict and a lot of black and white kind of thinking mm -hmm. I was you know that stereotypical church girl you know at church all the time um, yeah. and yeah in so many ways appreciate and and love that um, that experience that I had growing up and so from that went to a Christian college and studied theology um, and while I was there, I was kind of introduced to some different ways of thinking than I had um, mm -hmm. growing up. And it was kind of the first time I really realized that, oh gosh, maybe there isn't just one way to believe or one way to think about something. Um, and one of those things that was really powerful for me was kind of learning about feminism, which had been a bit of a dirty word in my house growing up. You know, I yeah. kind of grew up with more traditional ideas of gender and gender roles. Um, yeah, and kind of saw women teaching and leading and realized kind of some of those gender inequalities that I had seen. Mm -hmm. um, and then went on to work in a church and women in leadership became kind of a big, um, important thing for me and kind of began to mm -hmm. develop a bit of a more kind of progressive idea around faith. Um, moved to London <laughs> and worked for a Christian charity and then accidentally and by surprise fell in love with a woman while I was living um, in London. So that kind of really pivoted things significantly for me and um, coming out to my you know, conservative parents, navigated kind of coming out as well as sort of coming into my own, I guess, in some ways and understanding this new aspect of my identity and myself that I had no idea about kind of before I fell in love. So it was this brand new, thing I knew about myself and knew about how I was going to kind of experience the world. And um, so yeah, from there I went to grad school and studied gender studies with an emphasis in kind of feminist theology and queer theory. I then married that woman I fell in love with um, a few years ago. And yeah, I've just done, done quite a lot of kind of work to, like I said, kind of come yeah. into myself. Um, and so yeah, that is, I, I guess, still probably a bit of the long version. Um, oh, my yeah, a bit of my story. I I love it. I think you know, there's uh, it's definitely a story of finding yourself. I think um, something that I definitely want to make sure people know here is that we're very open and accepting, and I think when you're finding yourself and clearly this podcast is about finding your uncomfortable breakthrough in life and, and finding that can be a really difficult process, you know, like overcoming different beliefs, you know, that you don't really align with as you get older. And I really, I, I really think, um, you know, it's not a bad thing. You know, some people, you know, depending on your age, sometimes it can be, you know, a bad thing to change your, your mind or change your beliefs around something. And, you know, how has that uh, come up maybe in your coaching, the way that you, because I know you work most primarily with women, you said, and in, in, in the realm of spirituality, sexuality, and really finding themselves. So how does it kind of come up for you to kind of lead that place of, okay, that may have been how you were taught to think but do you really align with that it's not like you run away from everything it was you know it was like you had a good home you had the good things but you know it might have not been exactly 
appreciative of other narratives in life. So how do you kind of lead that in your coaching? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think change across the board is scary and uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. hard. Um, And I think especially when it gets at these kind of changes that are deep within you and maybe go against Mm -hmm. things that you, like I was raised to believe that homosexuality was a sin and that it was, you know, a really big deal to God and to my community and to my parents. And so to, yeah, to even kind of have the capacity to open that door, to think, Mm -hmm. could this be something that is okay and maybe even beyond okay, but good and beautiful and holy Mm -hmm. and lovely and kind of all of those different things was really scary. Um, And so I think it takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of support Mm -hmm. and doing scary things on our own is so much harder. So I think if you have someone that's able to walk with you and to kind of champion those things that can be huge um but I think just acknowledging that it is it is hard it is scary to change your mind sometimes um but I think for me it it was just a process of kind of learning to trust myself learning to Mm -hmm. trust you know that I I know myself I know what what good and bad feel like um, and yeah. being able to determine um, those things it was yeah it was definitely a process but one that has been yeah. really beautiful yeah and that can be a very pivotal thing for people to go through uh, for sure and um, I think as a coach, you know, you sometimes have to take on uh, the emotions and take on uh, certain things to, uh, you kind of have to put yourself back in the situation. Uh, you know what I mean? You, you, um, you fully have to basically immerse yourself again in experiencing those feelings and and um, how do you feel like your clients or people who uh, you've worked around have grown or what, what are some of the shifts that you've seen in, in your space? Because you, um, you have such a story to tell and I think there's so many people who this topic can be a bit touchy for um as well as misunderstood you know so how do you um how have you seen like big shifts like change possibly the narratives in their lives and but maybe even in their community yeah definitely um yeah i guess first of all it is i've been so grateful to kind of to be able to create a space Mm -hmm. where people yeah, hopefully feel safe and feel able to kind of ask some of these questions that may be considered yeah. taboo in the communities that they mm-hmm. are in or, you know, they want to explore, but but just kind of need a safe space to do so. So I've been really grateful that people have trusted me um, mm-hmm. and kind of walk with them through that. But um, yeah, I think it, it takes um, a lot to kind of rewrite those those narratives mm-hmm. um, and so I I often use this analogy of scripts right we've been handed 
um, yeah. scripts in our life, how to be good, how to be a woman, how to be a wife, how to be a Christian, you know, whatever these scripts are in your life. And there's probably a bunch of different ones that we've all been handed. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think sometimes we realize like, gosh, these, these really rigid scripts that I've been handed just aren't working for me. And my experience of the world is different than kind of the directions that I've been given on this page. Yeah. And, and so I think a lot of the work that I do is helping people to kind of make those edits or to tear up the ones that are just really not working and kind of start fresh. Um, and so something that I say often is, is thinking about the shoulds, right? Like mm -hmm. you should do this, you should do that. Um, and I have a friend who's a therapist and she calls it shooting on yourself, which is <laughs> hilarious. That was pretty good. I got to like, <laughs> and so I think often, yeah, we, when we start to question these shoulds and when we think back to these scripts and these narratives and think, actually, where did this come from? What is the origin story here? Um, and often we realize, you know, maybe it isn't, isn't where we thought it came from and it's people's mm -hmm. opinions or it's people's kind of, it's our, the way that our culture has kind of shifted and, and yeah. the way that we see things. But is that truth? Is, does that have to be yeah. true for me? Um, yeah. And so that's, that's quite a lot of the work that we're doing is kind of how do we dial back these scripts and, and get to a place where we feel comfortable to kind of do some of that editing. Yeah. And now I want to kind of ask you a question that's going to like take you back, but one is, would you think that you would, one, do you think you would be where you are today? But also, two, um, what would you tell to, to the you that was trying to figure it out, trying to, to be herself in a world that she couldn't understand because the, the scripts you were basically given really, really, you were like, these aren't mine, you know? So what would you tell that version of yourself? Yeah. I mean, no, I did not in any way see myself <laughs> ending up where I am now um, in so many ways. Um, and what's kind of interesting about my story in some ways is, you know, I didn't realize anything about my sexuality, at least in terms of my queerness, until I was 25. Um, so I had grown up in, you know, there's, there's a term heteronormative, where the kind of norm in our communities is mm -hmm. heterosexuality, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I grew up in a very heteronormative church world, but also just our culture in general. You know, we assume people are straight until they come out and are kind yes. of forced to tell us otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, and so for the first 25 years of my life, you know, that, that fit fairly well for me. Um, you know, I thought that I was, I was straight, that kind of the, the shoe fit well enough. Um, and then, yeah, so it wasn't until I was 25 that I met this woman and fell in love and was so taken off guard by kind of what was happening mm -hmm. um but i guess what i would tell myself even in that kind of initial first few months of kind of oh my god what's happening <laughs> questioning yeah. kind of all of that um was like i guess just that there is like i was saying about these scripts like there is another way there's another way to be good there's another way to feel whole there's another way to find joy and freedom and hope and and it's it might look different than this kind of vision of your life that you had before but it's different doesn't equal bad um and different doesn't equal wrong and so i think that's yeah. probably the biggest lesson that i would tell myself is just because it doesn't look like how i thought it was going to look doesn't mean that it in any way diminishes what it would become 
Yeah, I think that's so valuable and important that you that you say that because you know I think some people are like, okay, well, you know, is this acceptable? You know, okay, well, kind of like you, you had this experience. You're like, okay, I've come into this space. You know, I'm now recognizing maybe there is another way, but you know, then you start questioning yourself, is this right? Or, you know, then you're, then you're immediately like, what is society going to say about this, etc. But how, or what's something in your own life, in, in your personal, like, growth and development journey as an individual that has uh, impacted your journey? It's any particular um, thing or process? Yeah, I think something that was really important for me, um, and this is a term I don't know if your audience will be familiar with, but kind of this idea of deconstructing faith. Mm -hmm. um, and so kind of taking the pieces apart, yeah. looking at them, and then sort of rebuilding um, some sense of kind of faith or ideas around that. And something that was really helpful for me in that process, because, you know, growing up with a certain version of faith, um, that in some ways and some aspects I still kind of adhere to and, and believe and others I've kind of been able to say you know what that's not for me and that's okay. <laughs> um, but one of the things that has been really transformative in kind of figuring out what do I believe what do I want all of these things is doing work around values mm -hmm. and figuring out what is what do I value what's most important to me because I think for so long there were kind of these black and white beliefs that I was meant to yeah. believe um, but as I kind of stepped into my own and was figuring out okay actually what what is important to me being able to identify my values and then really live into those things um, has been really powerful and so I've kind of identified three core values that I try to kind of look at most of my work and my life through and that's courage um, connection and curiosity and so kind of in everything I do I want to, to keep those three I mean it's, I love an alliteration three C's um, <laughs> yeah. keep those yeah those three things ahead of me and those can kind of help to be a bit of my my north star I guess in the moments where things feel a bit um yeah a bit confusing or I'm not kind of sure which way that I can kind of look to courage connection and, and curiosity to help guide me in that yeah, so I actually love that you mentioned that. So curiosity, I have a three C's thing too that I teach and it's very similar and one of the words is curiosity. <laughs> um, but I I love the term of curiosity. You know, I was going to mention first um, that I, I do love the deconstructing. Uh, mm -hmm. I do kind of talk about that. I talk about kind of rebelling against your past self, a little rebellious over here, <laughs> but um, rebelling against your past self um, or like you have to kind of be broken before you're broken through. That's kind of the idea of this podcast. But um, as far as curiosity, um, I kind of want to touch on that because it's something that sticks out. I don't think, you know, a lot of people when they hear curiosity, I think we almost think like, uh, what was it like curiosity of a cat or something like when you were like you think in like terms of like something else you don't really think of curiosity in in say personal growth it's not normally the first word that comes to people's minds but I've talked about curiosity I've always 
talked about curiosity and my, my audience knows this. I talk about curiosity often because it's one of the first steps, um, in your, in your life and in, in getting on a journey that allows you to find yourself and be who you are because curiosity makes you question things. And when we can ask questions, uh, you know, I think that's where we become powerful to be honest, because, questioning is our first step at saying, you know, is this really all that there is? Am I where I need to be? Is there more out there for me? Am I really living the life that I'm meant to live? Am I living a life that is more dedicated to other people's narratives than my own? You know, it's where you start questioning. And so I want to ask you on a personal level, like, where has curiosity where did, where did you see that come up in your own journey and how has that affected you and where you are today? Yeah, definitely. I love that. I think kind of, and that even goes back to the shoulds in some way, right? Mm -hmm. Questioning those shoulds and, and kind of living into that curiosity. I think the image that comes to mind when I think about curiosity is just one of open-handedness, kind of not mm -hmm. holding tightly to so many things. I think when we hold our beliefs tightly when we hold our plans tightly when we hold mm -hmm. our expectations tightly like it's just such a hard way to live because we're constantly trying to just squeeze those things so tight <laughs> yeah um, and so I think for me curiosity is trying to live with open hands kind of saying I am open to new information I'm open to new experiences I'm open to new ideas um, and I don't think that means that you you aren't tethered to things. I think going back to the values, like there are certain things that keep me grounded and keep me tethered um, and certain things that I, you know, hold to regardless. But I think curiosity for me is exactly what you're saying, asking those big questions, kind of thinking deeply about why I do certain things, why I believe certain mm -hmm. things. Um, yeah, and just being willing to, to be wrong, willing, being willing to yeah. change my mind. Um, being willing to yeah take in new information as it comes to me and so it's kind of this constant evolution this constant becoming and I think that's probably why coaching is so appealing to me is it is kind of this continual growth and this continual kind of stepping into who you are and and that can change and that's okay yeah. and that can grow and that's okay and yeah so I think that's kind of what curiosity has looked like for me yeah, so I want to ask a little bit deeper of a question from kind of two perspectives. So we know that gender equality is something that, you know, we want to um, make sure is protected in our, in our communities and stuff. And, and it's still a really hard topic. And what would you say, because you, you know, you have a, a master's and, you know, your degrees are in this, you know, and so what would you say is important um, for society to uh, be, ex like, be willing to be wrong and be willing to, to appreciate new information, you know, because I think often, often a lot of people don't want to seek out new information but when others do in in society and they're like oh okay now i can appreciate this you know um what would you say your stance is in in trying to lead people to a place of more accepting to saying okay i was wrong at once but 
you know what, here's my new idea. You know, so how would you say your stances on trying to lead uh, people to, to admit that it's okay to be wrong, it's okay to learn new information and change your mind? Yeah, definitely. Well, I think you hit on it there. Is it's, I think the first step is being willing to admit when we're wrong. I think mm-hmm. so often people really struggle with that step, really struggle with, with being able to say, you know what, actually we got that wrong or society hasn't been doing this fairly. I mean, I think about kind of the racial injustice that we've seen and this kind Mm, of racial reckoning in the States this year. That's a moment where we need to say like, this is wrong and we're going to call that out and we've been doing this wrong. And so Mm. I think that first step of admitting, gosh, I, I didn't know that then I have new information now and, and I'm going to do better. Um, I think is, is huge. And that means that we need to normalize admitting that we're wrong, right? We need to create a space where people can say, I did this wrong, where we're not just gonna, you know, I, I think cancel culture is a really interesting one. It, it's, it doesn't leave people a lot of space to apologize or to admit that they're wrong or to figure out how to right their wrongs. And so I think yeah, as a culture, I think our first step is to create space for people to admit when they're wrong, apologize and do better. And yeah. I think it feels a lot nicer to sometimes just say, oh, you screwed up. I'm done with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think allowing a space for people to to grow and to change and to admit when when things aren't right, I think is really important. Yeah, it it absolutely is. And I I agree with you. Cancel culture is a dangerous thing, but I I definitely am glad to hear your perspective from someone who, you know, has their, has their um, degrees and, and, and does their studies literally in this work every day of their life and having to, you know, watch the news and and see, see the way that people respond and and even work a hundred percent with people in this industry you, you know, you definitely have a, a deep perspective about, you know, we should admit we're wrong, but this leaves, you know, our society leaves no room for that. You know, I, I think, I think too often, to be honest, I think we've gotten to a place where too many people feel entitled in the world, (laughs) Um, you know, and, and, and that can be very, very dangerous. Um, So oftentimes, when people are are seeking out a new a new journey for themselves, or they're trying to find themselves, no matter where they are in life, um, you know, because you had, you talked about you had this experience at 25 where you where you found you were attracted to to women and and maybe not 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 attracted to men, you know, you never question it in your whole life, but here you're hit with a a, a new perception and you're like okay, maybe, maybe this is it for me. So no matter what the scenario though, you with this or anyone out there and really trying to, maybe they're switching careers, um, moving across the country, you have experience in that as well. Uh, no matter what, what is occurring, um, there's always this sort of shame that most of us feel and guilt you know, because we've been taught, okay, you know, you have a stable job, don't leave it and start a business, you know, uh, and then I'm sure, like, anyone, like, questioning their sexuality is like, you know, is this wrong in society, am I going to be judged, are my friends still going to be my friends, you know, that's a big one, you know, so how do you, um, 
lead people in, in moving through, through shame and guilt uh, mm-hmm. to continue to empower themselves. Because I feel empowerment is so important, but on your personal growth journey, it can get a little difficult, as we all know. So regardless of where you're going and what the situation is, like I said, we all feel shame and guilt somewhere. So how do you lead that in a way that leads to empowering yourself instead of feeling guilty and feeling down for, you know, wanting to do something different? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think, gosh, shame and guilt are are so hard to escape I think in so mm-hmm. many ways and, and I think a lot of us have been have been taught in some ways to to feel shame and guilt um yeah. and I think it's in some ways it's kind of building up our resilience and and kind mm-hmm. of knowing how to weather some of these storms and and kind of building up a toolkit for ourselves in order to um navigate those things and it's also practicing a lot of self-compassion and I don't know if you're familiar with Dr. Kristen Neff um who does her but I've not quite read into um some of her stuff yeah so she does a lot of work around self-compassion that I think Mm -hmm. is really important um and and that talks a lot about kind of how do we yeah, how do we learn to be compassionate toward ourselves and to acknowledge that shame and guilt and to kind of nurture, um, to nurture ourselves well. And she's got mm-hmm. a lovely practice that, you know, I think so many of us struggle with kind of those, that negative self-talk in our heads mm-hmm. and, and those shame and guilt cycles that just kind of, you're constantly like, how could you do this? How could yeah. you think this? I mean, I'm, <laughs> Yeah, I'm right there with we, you. We we are all our biggest bully. Like I think we've all we've we've said the worst stuff to ourselves. Like people have said bad stuff about us or to us, but we've said the worst. <laughs> totally. And so one of her kind of practices is kind of how would you talk to a friend and and treating yourself as that friend as opposed to kind of beating yourself up mentally. Think like, would I ever say this to? Yeah. A dear friend and kind of beginning to retrain our thought patterns mm. um, in a more compassionate in a more compassionate way um, and so I think yeah there's there's kind of certain things that we can do to begin to build up that resilience toward that shame and guilt and and so much of that is like you were saying kind of embracing who we are beginning to own that and beginning to feel that self-assurance kind of within ourselves and less externally mm-hmm. um, I talk a bit about becoming a recovering people pleaser and mm-hmm. you know I lived so much of my life you know for the the adoration and the approval of other people and um, and so and you know coming out in an evangelical Christian community shoots that down quite quickly, yeah. quite quickly. Yeah. Um, and so yeah learning how do I gosh how do I um learn to approve of and accept myself and how do I privilege that voice above kind of the voices of of the other people that are kind of external to me and and so and that's a lot it takes a lot of work I don't want to say that in any sort of trite manner that that is an easy thing to begin to do and it's a lifelong process and something that I have to continually Mm -hmm. kind of get in gear for myself Mm -hmm. Um, but it is something that we can learn to do better and kind of build that resiliency toward yeah so 
something that you just touched on was like being a recovering people pleaser. I know there is a lot of people in this audience. I know there's a lot of people in the world, but I know there's a lot of people in this audience listening that has struggled with being a people pleaser, you know, and especially when it comes to self-dialogue and taking in, you know, everything that we're saying to ourselves. But I think when it comes to being a people pleaser, you know, your dialogue is almost controlled. It's like, okay, everything that I'm supposed to say and do has to be, has to fit in the box of what everyone, everyone wants, you know, and you, you definitely have a story of finding your freedom in, in the midst of allowing yourself to be yourself, you know, and how was it for you as a recovering people pleaser to, to access a more, a life that, that you didn't know was truly available until you found it, until you like went to seek it out. Because, you know, there's so many people, like I said, listening that are like, I know they, they don't even want to admit, to be honest, that they're a people pleaser because, you know, we want to think that we're in control of our lives. But I, I know a lot of us could admit that we've sometimes taken on more than we should, or we've just tried to live in a world that, that makes everybody happy. And at the end of the day, it doesn't work. You know, how would you um, state for someone to either take that journey to recover from it or or literally just shift their dialogue around why they are even even trying to please yeah yeah and i think it's such a common experience i think it's an even more common experience for women i think mm-hmm. we as women are conditioned to please mm-hmm. um, and make ourselves um pleasing to men to society to in so many different ways um and so i think yeah it can be really vulnerable i suppose to admit that that you want to please people <laughs> um you know it, it sounds even as i say it, i'm like oh gosh it that sounds it sounds funny crazy. when you <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i think in some ways we all do it kind of to a greater or lesser degree so i think there's no shame in saying you know i want to please people yeah. um But I think for me, and I think it's only having been kind of kicked out of the nest in some ways and forced to examine these kind of people-pleasing tendencies, um, Mm -hmm. but I've found that, you know, it it feels so much freer to Mm. live in this space than it did in the other. You know, I think when you are kind of contorting yourself and shrinking yourself and kind of into someone else's mold if you're having to kind of lie or hide aspects of who you are in order to be pleasing Mm -hmm. to other people if you make choices for the sake of other people thinking that you're impressive or you're smart or you're successful but actually it doesn't it doesn't satisfy you I think being on the other end of that in some regard, I can say with certainty, like it feels so much better to live for the approval of yourself than it does to live for that kind of praise of other people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's something that we all, like we said, we all struggle with it at some point um, in life. But I think like 
really, to be honest, you know, it, it starts when we're, we're really young. I think there's a lot of things that no matter where your background, um, unless your parents are like, you know, like all like both like psychologists or something, you know, I'm trying to think the narrative of even how that would come out that you would just be some perfect child that your parent knows how to work with you instead of, you know, kind of lead you into paths. But um, most of us, no matter what our background is, it starts in, in school. Like, you know, like most people are, you're required to go to school when you're a kid. So either way, you're probably going to end up there um, by law or some way. So like, you know, you're, you're supposed to learn from someone. And what happens, you know, is you're immediately taught to make the right grades, you know, and you know, if you don't, you know, it makes your parents mad, it makes your teachers mad, then it makes you look like the bad kid, you know, you know, so it's like immediately we're put in a space that is judging us almost, or, or really trying to tally up uh, our actions are either good or bad. I really, really think that that happens in the aspect more so of like, um, how they act in class. So I know some people grew up as like, ADHD and so they were more creative as kids but then their teachers called them like disruptive you know so you know so I think it's really interesting because a lot of these things we literally have crafted a society that 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 literally basically just put you on a let put you I wouldn't want to say like a factory but it's yeah. almost like you go through this process and you see what you're dealt with at the end, kind of, and then you have to figure out, okay, is, am I going to keep all this? Am I just going to keep running on the, on the, on the belt of what the world wants me to do? Or am I just going to like jump off here and go find and, and like heal all these things that, that have happened, you know, because they can either mess you, you know, in a way to feel like you're not enough or it's either you're like okay I never want to be like any of these things you know or I don't agree with this so I think it's 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 something that we have literally constructed in a way that just presents itself and so then you know as adults we have to figure it out <laughs> you know so and so many of us you know so many people fit nicely into those boxes in mm -hmm. some ways right and so you think gosh maybe that is the right or the normal way to to be um but I think as we're learning and as kind of culture is evolving we're realizing like gosh more and more of us don't fit in those neat no, tight boxes and so what do we yeah what do we do with all these people yeah <laughs> yeah I'm just waiting for the day the world is just kind of like all right everybody get in your unique box and write it out like figure oh, out. <laughs> beautiful world I can't wait yeah yeah like when we get to that place we are doing good in society I'm not I'm not seeing it <laughs> Definitely. I mean, I do, I feel really actually encouraged. I think kind of, I look to the generation below me That's and think true. about how I they're living and the ways that they are questioning the status quo mm -hmm. in so many ways. And I think, gosh, maybe I will leave, live to see a world where yeah. people are more free to be who they are and to kind of make those choices. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. For what they really want, as opposed to kind of these narrow expectations that are placed on them. Yeah. I think my thing is, when you know because I see it too 
Um, it's just like they're not quite there yet to where they're in the leadership roles where they can like shift the actual narrative itself. Yeah. When they get there, then I think we'll we'll be we'll be moving in an even more like trajectory way. But I think overall, I think I think we're getting closer, but it's like right there. You know, it's just they yep. all gotta kind of get into the move all the move yeah. the older generation. Let the kids let the kids lead. <laughs> let the kids lead. Um I think everything happens within its time. So you know a big thing on this podcast is um you know, breaking into who you are. And so the last question I always like to finish up on is, um, you know, for someone who is on their breakthrough journey and trying to find that, that breakthrough in their life to, to find who they are and really access that journey, what is one question that you would pose or one statement that you would make to someone on that journey that's that's trying to find themselves and has really either not taken enough time to do it or is, or is just really at the point where they feel something is off and they're wondering what to look to, what to do next. Um, so what would you say in, in that regard? Gosh, that's a big question. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I, it's so good. I, I struggle to boil it down to maybe one thing, but mm -hmm. I think that I think the biggest thing and something that I kind of begin my my coaching clients, my work with them is kind of how do you want to feel in the future? Mm -hmm. And I think setting kind of like feeling-based goals can often be really helpful because I think we do get stuck when we're setting kind of these specific measurable goals. Mm -hmm. I think it has its place, but it can be really tricky. So I think oftentimes I'll talk to them, okay, six months, a year, 10 years from now, how do you want to feel? How do you want your life to feel? How do you want your work to feel? How do you want your relationships to feel? And I think when we allow ourselves that ability to hope, that ability to dream, to think mm -hmm. about, gosh, what is possible for this life that I want to live? How do I want to feel in my own skin? How do I want to feel in this life? Um, I think that can often be kind of that little spark that that allows us to kind of take some of those next steps in our journey of kind of yeah like you're saying breaking things down and building things back up and there's so much beauty in doing that work there's so much um freedom in kind of rewriting those scripts mm -hmm. and, and i think sometimes that just takes that that ability to say actually there might be a little bit more and this is how I want to feel in the future and and taking mm -hmm. that kind of first brave step to doing to doing that work yeah I really I really appreciate that I think um you know I always say this about adults is like we were kind of trained to stop dreaming at a certain point yeah and you have to almost evoke uh some sort of ability to start dreaming you know in the eyes of eyes of eyes of clients or or people who are looking for an answer of of stepping into that journey because it's it's self-discovery again you know you're back to letting curiosity things, we're back, yeah, to curiosity. back to curiosity you're back to letting it fall and just going going through and i think so too i, I love that you mentioned knowing how it feels I think a lot of people have a hard time um, either identifying what they want with clarity, you know, or 
even understanding how they would even feel. You know, I've, I've definitely asked people in the past, I was like, okay, so yeah, in eight months after, after this, how do you want to feel? And they're like, uh, like hopeful. Like, I want to feel like free. Like, I don't, I don't really know, you know, they, that I'm like, okay, let's think about it. Like, how do you feel now? I don't think a lot of people recognize the fact that they're constantly feeling a bit mediocre and they're constantly operating out of a place of just being comfortable or just being within terms of what people want them to do. So they've not even allowed themselves to realize that they've been feeling uh, somewhat sad, somewhat depressed and not really kind of mediocre, like not even living in a state of uh, who they want to be in the world. So I think I love that you touched on feeling because, you know, how is it you want to feel, you know, that, you know, what, what feeling do you want on the other side? You know, it's, it's so hard to, to justify that sometimes by just saying, oh, I want to, to have this. I'm like, okay, yes, you know, it's great that you want this, but but sometimes, you know, you, you, you check the box and then like, you have to go find something new next, you know, there's not really, it's not like you just, for instance, going to college and, and, and getting your graduate degree, getting your bachelor's, going often getting a PhD, you're just checking a box. And once you get it, you're, you're done. You, you can definitely use it, but it's not like you just get to keep working for your PhD, you know? So, um, you know, I think it's important to remember that there's a feeling that goes past that, you know, what, what's that thing that's going to carry you to want to continue on your journey. So, um, I so appreciate you for being here today. Like, oh my goodness, we, we so appreciate you definitely touching on a topic that can be taboo in our uh, society. But, you know, I think your experience and your personal journey has definitely opened the eyes to my audience as well as new people within the audience that are like, wow, okay, maybe I want to shift narratives. Maybe I want to understand a bit more about myself. So I really appreciate you for being on today but i want to ask you where can everyone find you um so i want everyone to kind of go go stalk you go go follow you go find you and go just get more of all the things you're teaching oh thank you so much for having me and i've absolutely loved our conversation it's been fantastic um yes if people would like to connect mm-hmm. um my kind of primary social media is instagram so you can find me there it's at, at Alison Tash Montgomery, um, or you can go to my website, which is montasherycoaching.com. So that's my two last names smushed together, Tash and Montgomery. <laughs> so yes, Alison Tash Montgomery on Instagram or montasherycoaching.com. All right. All right, you guys. So all of that will be in the show notes as well. So um, you guys, I... I'm so glad we had Allison on today and I hope you enjoyed this episode and I'll see you back again soon. If you feel like your mental health and your emotions are constantly holding you back, I want to let you know that you're not alone. Oftentimes we procrastinate 
simply because we have mental blocks that we haven't dismantled yet. If you're wondering how to dismantle your mental blocks and how to take back control of your mental health, that is where I welcome you to The Art of You. I created The Art of You simply for the reason that we needed to understand how to quickly move through our mental blocks and allow our mental health to be part of our story instead of being the thing that holds us back in our personal growth journey. I understand what it's like to be held back by your mental health. Years ago, my PTSD held me back to a place of feeling as if I was stuck in life. I felt like I wasn't living 100% and I knew there was more out there for me, but I was constantly procrastinating on my goals. Until one day I realized that struggling was a choice. I was choosing to stay stuck behind my mental health instead of allowing it to be part of my story. From that, I learned how to understand myself and I started creating the life that I wanted by looking towards my vision. In the Art of You membership, that's exactly what you get to do. You get to create the art of who you're meant to be in the world by dismantling the mental blocks holding you back while allowing yourself to step into your purpose. If this is you, use the link in my bio right now to join the Art of You or look into what it has to offer. If you feel like you connected to these points, I promise you that this is your key to stepping into your growth in the next season. If you're ready to dismantle the mental blocks and take back control of your mental health as well as your emotions and finally step into the personal growth you're looking for and create the life you know that is out there for you, go ahead and check the show notes and look at the page for The Art of You. That is The Art of You. Use the link in the show notes to find out more and see if the program is something that would allow you to step into your growth in 2021. I can't wait to see you there. Procrastination seems to hit us all. If that is you, go ahead and get the free Ditch Procrastination going into 2021 free training right now using the link in the show notes. This is going to help you get a jump start on what you need to do going into 2021 in order to move procrastination out of the way to get closer to your goals. If you have enjoyed this episode, I would truly appreciate it if you would go ahead and leave a five-star review, letting us know what stuck out to you and what you are going to use in your life today. I can't wait to help you find your uncomfortable breakthrough.